Good morning, everyone. Let's have a seat. Love. And the world offers what it has, but it's fleeting and momentary. To find the love that lasts, we have to pass through the glittering town square and open the city gate, walk toward the pastures of uncertainty onto a long, narrow road under a cold but starry sky into a barn that's never noticed into the manger that holds all of the love of God. See, we expected it at the big party under the extravagant tree, beneath the biggest bow and the shiniest paper. Instead, here it is, tiny, humble, helpless, offered. We kneel, overwhelmed. We almost missed you, even as we tried to celebrate you. Forgive us, Lord. Pour out your love so we can offer it to the world. Amen. Morning, everyone. Good morning. Wow, that's, that's a, a hearty response. Great. You're all excited. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, in today's sermon, if you didn't already notice, is about love, right? Um, and looking around the room, um, you can see love right there. Although, you know, really side note, why does Joseph have a, uh, a shepherd's staff? Because he's not a shepherd, right? It's, uh, <laughs> I noticed that in other ones. Sorry, that totally has nothing to do with my sermon. It just, I've noticed it a couple times. I'm like, he's not a shepherd, right? It was other shepherds there, right? Um, so today I want to focus on, love, obviously, love showing through the birth of Jesus by focusing first on Joseph, uh, Jesus' father, and, and then um, and how, and how he showed love, and second, really, and focus on Jesus and, and why he bothered to come as a child. Let's look at the passages that I wanted to look, focus on today was this passage here. It's a short one. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to study your word. Just open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to, to your word and open up our, our spirit, Lord, to your, your leading, Lord, so that we might learn from you, learn from the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's first looking at the story of Joseph. Um, uh, we do not get a lot from this passage, uh, really. It just says that he was a righteous, and some other versions say just man, um, and that for some reason he did not want to expose Mary to public uh, disgrace, as it says. But he has no desire to raise a child that is not his own. Uh, he, he's just going to divorce her quietly. Now, looking at the Greek word as I, as I would for the, that word used there for him, righteous or just, you get this definition, right? Conforming to a standard, uh, will or character of God, upright, righteous, good, just, right, proper, and right relationship with God, fair, honest, and innocent. And so the idea there is that uh, what it describes Joseph, he wasn't a perfect person, but he was a person that was committed to God, and, and he wanted to do his best to live a righteous life. Um, what we don't do is get a sense of how much he may have loved Mary, 
Um, <clears throat> however, his response is interesting. Now, before diving, t- uh, before we dive too far, let's paint the picture. I'm going to use a little bit of a speculation about what might have occurred, um, <clears throat> as it doesn't reveal a lot about that interaction between them. From Luke, we get the description of Mary, uh, the interaction with the angel Gabriel coming to tell her that she's going to uh, give birth to a child, uh, <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon her, and she will become pregnant with Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> but let's start, what, what, let's start at what, what he learned after being uh, with child. It says, think about how you may have responded had you been in the place of Joseph or maybe one of the family members. Um, I presume that she, was, uh, <clears throat> she went and told Joseph. He, um, and how would that conversation have gone? I'm always kind of started thinking about that. What, what is it that he would have, or she would have said to him, you know, to say, you know, and, and why say anything? I don't know. It just, I'm wondering how that conversation would have gone. Think for a moment how you would respond, and while you're thinking about it, let me kind of throw out some various responses. Now, there. Um, but the question is, how would you respond if somebody came and said that to you? And in there, it's a funny story because she accidentally does get pregnant. And as the story goes, she's, she's, she is a virgin, um, as the story goes. But let's think about how other people respond. One is um, a guy named, if anybody remembers a guy named Ray Carruth, football fans. I don't see Rob in the room, Craig, maybe. Somebody who actually thinks about football beyond the Ravens may actually remember who Ray Carruth is. He played for the, uh, um, I was watching this uh, story on, um, uh, I was watching this, um, this uh, TV show on, on, on Hulu where they call it the, um, um, the killer speak. So they talk to people about um, who had committed murder. And so they do the show, they talk to them, they're in jail, they've been convicted, and they have a psychiatrist. And so they talk to the, the killer, and, and the story is, is about, they don't talk to Ray Recruth. Um, and by the way, interesting stories, I've watched these. There's one of them called The Natural Born Killer. There's one of them that reminds me a lot of Seth. And I, every time I keep looking like Seth, and I'm like, and I tried to show, I showed Deborah and the boys, and they were like, no, but I keep looking like, this looks seriously like Seth, making me wonder, he's got some family somewhere. But as the story goes on, is Ray Ruth was a first-round draft choice for the Carolina Panthers. He was a wide receiver, you know, very well sought after, very well thought of. His girlfriend got pregnant, and he didn't want to keep the kid, so he offers to pay for an abortion. What's that issue's come up recently? She refuses, so he hires a hitman to kill her. And the way the story goes is that um, they go out to dinner. He's in a separate car. He suddenly stops. Car comes alongside, the guy with the gun fires a number of times into her car, but she survives. Um, she survives long enough to give them, uh, tell them what happened. And by the way, this is a true story. Um, and, uh, and so they eventually, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, locate the driver of the car, then figure out who actually pulled the trigger, and then it leads to Ray Carruth. <clears throat> and then he, you know, he gets arrested and then released and agrees to come back. If, um, if, uh, she, if she dies. Well, she dies, and he takes off, and they find him in a trunk of a car uh, you know, a couple of states away. Um, he was sentenced to 18 years in prison, and he actually was re- released a few years ago. The child did survive. Um, but as they were um, <clears throat> talking to the guy who was the hitman, he doesn't really think Ray got enough time, so he's a little bitter because um, he got a lot more time. 
Um, and I always feel like, Ray, you, Ray, watch out. If he ever gets released, he might be coming for you. So that's how somebody responds to, to the birth. Let's think about others. David and Bathsheba. How did he respond to a birth, right? He responded to when Bathsheba was pregnant. He first tries to get Uriah, her husband, to come and be with her so then he can kind of cover up the pregnancy, right? But Uriah is a really good guy. He doesn't think he should be, you know, spending, having a good time while all these people are, are fighting out in the field. So he sleeps on his porch. So David figures, you know, well, we, can't, we can't have this, so I'll, I'll arrange for him to be killed in battle, and essentially murdered him, and takes Bathsheba as his wife. Um, and it covers it up there, that way. And then you have other scenarios. And I, as I mentioned before, I've dealt a lot with people from Afghanistan. It allows me to kind of peer into that culture a little bit more, and you have somebody like the Taliban that likely would kill somebody, uh, an, un, an unwed pregnant woman, and, and the fear that might come over someone like that. And honestly, that is a little closer to what maybe Mary had been facing. They didn't, they, the, the Jews couldn't kill people. We see the story of the woman caught in adultery, right? And they pulled her out. They had, at least had, they had enough power that they could do stuff like that, right? <clears throat> and then you kind of deal with Western culture. Um, there was a time with being pregnant and unmarried would have brought great shame. Um, <clears throat> that's not so much the case anymore. Um, you would f- hear stories about a person would get older and suddenly realize that the person or find out that the person they thought were their parents were actually their grandparents and that their si- the person they thought was their sister was actually their mother because that's kind of how they dealt with that. Uh, <clears throat> It's interesting to consider, uh, you know, how, um, <clears throat> how things have changed, you know, um, and I, I don't like the fact that people don't take marriage and, and um, pregnancy as seriously as, as I believe they should, but on the other hand, I don't know if our response to it before was always so good as a church. Um, I'm reminded of the, of the passage in Matthew 23, 23, where it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Too often we can focus on the law, the right and wrong, but not necessarily focus or remember the aspect of mercy. Returning to Joseph, I wonder how his parents would have responded if they'd known. In that culture, the marriages were arranged. The parents thought through and go, who's going to be a good person for my child to marry, right? And a lot of effort would have gone into this. Who's going to be a good match? I'm sure that they would have been furious and maybe even felt a little betrayed. I'm not sure if they knew. We don't know. I'm just speculating. Well, what about Mary's parents? If If they knew, and I'm assuming they did, they would have probably been angry, but they may have wanted to keep it quiet. You know, we'll send her away somewhere else and she'll give birth and then we'll make up a story about why she has a baby even though it looks a lot like her but well you know it was an abandoned child that she took in right and how would joseph's friends responded if they had known they probably would have like told him things like you know you really need to stick it to her man she's been fooling around on the side on you and you need to really take it to her jewish law would require him to divorce her but he wanted to do wanted to do it quietly Think for a moment, why would he want to do it quietly? Isn't he angry? 
Isn't he upset? Think of how that conversation may have gone. By the way, you know, we can't also can't like interpret like we understand birth well, but back then they did too. They understood it took a husband, you know, male and female, that this would not have been something that people would have bought into. All right. So where does the love fit in for this? Where does the love fit into his response? Well, let's look at what the Bible says about love, right? 1 Corinthians 13, we should all know this. You've all been to a wedding. You've probably heard it a million times, right? Love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails." In the Monday group, we've been looking at Romans, um, our, our group has, and I know some other groups have, and, and, and one of the things that really got me is, I, I, I haven't really looked this closely until we did it here, but chapters 12 and 13, Paul talks a lot about love in those chapters. Um, Romans uh, 13, 8 through 10 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. It's a powerful statement there. Um, the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And Romans 12 talks about it like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is a spiritual act of worship. The key phrase is mercy, in view of God's mercy. Because, <clears throat> again, I think we can forget that one at times. For by grace you've been given... Uh, for by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And then the last one here is, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another uh, above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless, the, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with, the, with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited, do not repay anyone evil for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Coming back to Joseph, it does seem he seemed, he does seem he, he, he understood love a little bit better than others. When I first asked this question, does Joseph love Mary? I fell prey. In fact, one of the things is, is the reason I focus on this is because I was kind of looking at Fridays for Advent, and they go, well, there was love everywhere. Joseph loved Mary, you know, and Jesus, you know, loved this, and Mary loved Jesus. And, and I kind of got stuck on that. I go, well, did Joseph love Mary? Did he really love Mary? I don't know about that. And so what happens is, is I get stuck on the Western concept, romanticized love. Did he love her in that way? And the thing is, is, you know, this may surprise people that that's actually more of a recent thing. Back then, people married, didn't marry because they were in love. They learned to love the person they marry. And so when we talk about love, we need to think about it in different terms. 
Um, and the thing is, when God talks about love, it's not necessarily talked about in a real, from a romantic sense. Thus, the better question is, did he show love to her in his initial response to revealing the pregnancy? I think he did. When you think about it, Joseph was the ideal person for this role. He understood that he did not need to punish her for wrongdoing. Of course, he had no desire to raise someone else's child. That changed when God came, and the story tells us that God came to him in a dream and said, you know, you are going to marry this woman and raise this child as your own. And he was a righteous and just man, so he did it. You know, even though it wasn't his child. Um, then even, he even agreed to raise this child knowing it would not look like him or probably act like him. He would uh, have to deal with questions about whether Jesus was actually his child. People may have speculated. He didn't look like him. Nonetheless, Joseph understood what it meant to show love. Um, it is interesting, it is interesting I, it was kind of reflecting back, we've had that whole period of Genesis and how God takes really messed up people and uses them, right? Well, you know, the funny thing is there's been a couple times he uses people that are upstanding. You know, and we have a story, the, the example here with Joseph, we also have Joseph from Genesis. It seems like they're all named Joseph. So if you want to have a child, you probably should name him Joseph, right? Um, so the second thing I wanted to focus on is this issue about love at the birth. So what... Looking at the birth of Jesus, a question arises about where is the love in this birth? Now, I know what people are going to tell me. They're going to do this one. Uh, my, my command is to love. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love hath no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. <clears throat> However, that's the Easter story, right? That's four months from now. Plus, Jim's going to get mad at me because they'll be stepping on his, his sermon from Easter, Right? That's the Easter story. Really, the question that comes in is, why did Jesus have to come as a baby? Why didn't he just show up as a man and go, look, I'm just going to die for you. I'm going to rise from dead. It's all good, right? But he comes as a baby, right? Um, and so I have this passage, right? He says, but we see Jesus, who was made lo little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It's this idea that Jesus came to experience life as we experience life, right? He dealt with the hardship and the suffering, and he chose to do this. And he, and he wanted, so when he could look at us, he goes, I know what you were going through. We could, he could truly understand and feel it, and we can trust that. And so what are some of the hardships Jesus faced? Well, one, he dealt with temptation, the classic, you know, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He also dealt with hunger. From that same passage, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He wanted to eat, right? He dealt with fatigue. It says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was the sixth hour. He also dealt with persecution from his family, although I'm probably pushing it a little bit because it doesn't really say he was persecuting, but um, it is a good example here. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak with him. Someone told you, your brothers and mothers are standing outside wanting to speak with you. And, you know, the implication what we've learned, or at least what we've been told, is that, you know, he really didn't have the support of his family until he rose from the dead, other than Mary. Because you remember, it was really only Mary at the crucifixion. It doesn't mention any of his other family were there. Um, he also dealt with desertion of his friends, right? 
Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. So Jesus experienced life as we know it. The point here is not that Jesus came to die for our sins, but he came to walk and suffer with us so that he could identify with our struggles. Uh, this is best illustrated. I have one other video that's uh, more topical. Um, it's a video by somebody by Brene Brown. And some of you may have um, watched her videos or something uh, before. Um, I'm sorry, it's really hard to get this over there. Mm. All right, there we go. So some of you... So what is empathy, and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions, where empathy is relevant, and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective-taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. <laughs> Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, and climb down. I know what it's like down here, and you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, <laughs> it's bad, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, you want a sandwich? <laughs> um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. All right, so um, I bring that up because I think that it's important when we think about love. Empathy is an important aspect, and I think oftentimes we forget that. We forget that, that, that love involves connection. 
as she illustrated in that video. The point is, is it shows empathy. We, you know, we, walk, we can't always walk in other people's shoes, but we can show empathy. Empathy does not always involve saying, I know how you feel, particularly if we have not experienced that. In fact, it's offensive to say, I know how you feel, and not have experienced it. Um, I show this video because I, I think that I want people to think differently. Uh, you know, we can, uh, <clears throat> we can often fall into those, uh, those, those traps of, you know, showing sympathy because we want to try to make it better. You know, we want to, oh, well, just put it on a positive spin. And sometimes people don't want you to put a positive spin on it. They want you to cry with them, right? Um, I've recently, so some of the, the things that she boyed and I thought were really good. Empathy is about perspective taking, staying out of the judgment, recognizing emotion, communicating, and feeling with people. Um, <clears throat> recently, I, we went through some stuff in our family, and, and uh, it was, I kind of shared this uh, with some people, and I've gotten some of those at least statements. And it occurred to me at some point to finally look at them and go, you know, why don't you go through what I went through, and we'll see if what you're saying is the first thing that comes to mind. Because it's not. It's like not even on the radar, right? Because there are so many other things people are struggling with. And when you do that, it, you feel kind of offended almost. Like, okay, so that's not what I was talking about. Did you hear what I said? Did you feel my pain? Did you hear the, the hurt that is inside? You know, having dealt, um, <clears throat> you know, even I've made that mistake uh, with, my own, with my own wife. Uh, when we, before uh, Marshall, uh, Deborah had a miscarriage. And I was kind of focused on some things. You know, particularly, you know, being pro-life, you know, because she eventually, we got real excited, she told everyone, and then she has this miscarriage, and so you have to go through that. Um, and uh, then, of course, the doctor goes, there's nothing there. It was really bizarre, because you did the sonogram, and you see this circle, and there's virtually nothing in there. And so you have to go through a procedure at that point. And being pro-life, I was always more concerned with, you know, well, is it, is it really gone? You know, we don't want to take a life, right? And so having been relieved of that, I was like, okay, cool. And I, I, I was totally like missing where my wife was coming from. You know, and it took her, finally said something to me like, you know, you, you need to understand this is much harder for me. You know, because I was kind of on, I was already down the road. Like, oh, let's move on and move on our life. And she was still back there. And I needed to recognize that. Having dealt with people who have gone through horrific things, particularly as ch children, which I've dealt with a lot in my profession, unfortunately so, and that stuff does get to you after a while. Um, but when they share very difficult, horrific things from childhood, I've never said this, I know how it feels, because I don't. I you know, realize I have had a good childhood. I had parents, I had a place to live, I was comfortable, I had clothes. I didn't have everything, but I, I was good. And sometimes you just have to look at them and go, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry you went through that. Oh, the banking of forward now. <laughs> I forgot. Looking back at the passage I referenced before when I talked about love, I, thought, I, I guess I thought about this. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. With Jesus, we have that picture. He came to be like us and walk in the same walk in our shoes. You've heard that term. Walk in our shoes, struggle, deal with the things that we struggle with. So he knows, when he, Jesus says, I know how you feel, he knows how you feel. 
I think the key to Joseph too, though, Joseph and, and Jesus' examples, is that they show love by not focusing on themselves. They are completely focused on the other person. And I think that is best described in the Bible. I think that's what love is. Love is not thinking of how I'm responding or how I feel about this. The focus is on where that person is at. So as you go out this holiday season, think of how you can show love to others in a way that does not focus on you, but focuses on them.